the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So, As I've shared with you before, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. And both of my great law degrees came from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful city of San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth transfer, and the roles that these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, bankruptcy law. Bankruptcy is a good thing because it helps individuals, families, and business either dispose of debt and get on with their lives or helps them have a legal foundation and basis to revitalize their business. And also, it's an opportunity for entities to buy good corporate assets out of bankruptcy at a reasonable price. So bankruptcy isn't something to be ashamed of or to run away from, it might be the thing that can help revitalize your family and or your business. That's why I like it. And I also practice debt wealth management outside of bankruptcy to help people manage their debt and prepare for their future, such as preparing estate plans and trusts. And I do real estate law because real estate is the best way for a family or an individual to grow wealth. You buy property low, you let it appreciate it, and you sell it, and it's kind of like the stock market, only more stable. And then there's taxation law because everybody eventually will have to settle up with the tax man, and I think it's really good that women and people of color know about taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to at least seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors as more and more of us become the targets of charlatans who have no predilection other than to go after taking assets that don't belong to them. These are not good people, so I like to smash them if I can. Smash them, that's a a technical term of art. So I'm coming to you again today from my continued voluntary lockdown, because remember, we still have a pandemic, and out here in California, around 30% of us have been vaccinated, 
And we need herd immunity that doesn't come until 70 to 85 percent of us. So we need to manage our lives under this new environment until we have herd immunity. So that's why I continue my voluntary lockdown here in my home. And I'm coming to you from my makeshift studios in another world-class city, that is to say the always beautiful city of Oakland, California. And I come to discuss the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least a general outline of some of the key issues that may help you begin your search and seek out and find qualified professional help to help you with your legal issue, especially one dealing with your financial assets. And I do this because, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in, in a legal matter is just would be like Shane <laughs> taking a butter knife to his gunfight with Ruth Riker and all those bad guys. You know, Shane didn't take a butter knife. He took the appropriate tool. And nonetheless, he still got shot. And we don't know if he lived or died as he crossed the mountaintop, but we hope for the best. That's what you, you might not win a legal battle, but it's best to be fully armed with legal knowledge and the assistance of a professional that can help guide you through the process. So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not in these trying times, the lack thereof, and also discuss your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your businesses, financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts, in a non-threatening education form. So today we're going to broach a new topic, but it's really not off our overriding topic that we've been focused on for the last several weeks. As we've been looking at the key players in the bankruptcy case and the roles that the key players play in the process. You know, we spent several weeks looking at debtors, and we spent last week looking at the creditors. Um, But today, I want to take a little bit of a sidetrack because of some observations I have made on my own recently, uh, overarching but more impactful recently, as well as has been reported in some of the major media outlets and, and that is to say how black folks individually and collectively are treated by the various players in the bankruptcy process. So I don't want to step on my own headline. So here it is from the get go. Black people have worse outcomes in bankruptcy in the process than do whites. And this is even after accounting for income, assets, and the court district where the individual debtors live. Now, I have gotten the same information from uh, two of the resources that I read every day. The Wall Street Journal is reporting this, and ProPublica, which is a progressive uh, 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 media outlet, they have been reporting these facts and figures for years. Now, 
According to experts who took part in a panel on the subject matter this past November, the panel was put on by the American Bankruptcy Institute, a nonpartisan, nonprofit, insolvency policymaking educational organization that I happen to be a member of. And it, uh, it was reported, again, that panel in the very conservative Wall Street Journal. Now, uh, according to the panelists, black people out of all bankruptcy filers are twice as likely on average to file a more costly type of personal bankruptcy than other races. And so what they're referring to is a chapter 13 that we've gone over in great detail. That's a reorganization bankruptcy for an individual or a family. But the issue is you have to have something to reorganize for that kind of bankruptcy to make sense. So what do I mean? You have to have a house that's possibly facing foreclosure and you need time to catch up on the mortgage arrearages. Or you have a small business where you maybe you, you have, um, say, for example, you're a limousine service and, you know, people aren't driving, uh, don't want to hail rides in limousines, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Now that it's coming to an end, maybe they'll see a pickup in their service. But uh, say the limousine service, it might want to shed some of its leases, its leased automobiles to pair back on its expenses so it could stay in business during the pandemic. So a Chapter 13 is more expensive than a liquidation bankruptcy, a Chapter 7 where you, you don't have substantial assets or you might not have any assets at all. You might not have a house or a car or your car might be paid for uh, and you need to liquidate credit card debt. So a seven is a liquidating bankruptcy for an individual or family and a, a reorganization or chapter 13 is where you want to reorganize. But the Wall Street Journal and the ABI found that, and I'm going to be frank here, mostly white lawyers were putting black uh, debtors who could have been better served in a liquidating seven in a 13 because the fees were higher. And also a 13, you don't have to get paid first. The debtor can pay you over the course of the bankruptcy. The problem is in a 13, you don't get your discharge until the end. And if the blacks are falling out of the bankruptcy because they can't maintain the payment because they are not generating income. They lost their job. The, their unemployment isn't enough to do more than pay, you know, rent and and groceries. Putting them in a 13 dooms them to failure. So they paid more and gotten less and they still don't have the discharge of their debts. That's what the Wall Street Journal and the ABI panel found. And it's not necessarily that uh, white uh, bankruptcy lawyers are racist, although I'm sure some of them are. In fact, I think I've met some of them. Uh, ha ha. Uh, but it's just, it's a money-making uh, uh, venture where unlike what lawyers are sworn to do to put our client's interest above our own, it becomes quite easy to see black folk as commodities because let's face it, that's the way most of us are looked upon in, in this society. And that's a problem. That's a problem for the entire society. Again, it's 
knowing your client, knowing their finances, knowing their goals, having an exit strategy when you put them in the bankruptcy from the get-go. I mean, I have been criticized for front-loading my cases where I want to know everything before I even file, where some of my colleagues, they'll just put somebody in an emergency and then they'll get kicked out after a couple of weeks for not completing all the documentation. So when we come back, I want to share with you an even more disgusting uh, prognosis about bankruptcy and its impact on black women. So I'm, we're going to take a short break and we're going to continue our discussion about bankruptcy 101 as it impacts the black community when we come back. See you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue today's topic in our continuing trek across the very scary frontiers of Bankruptcy 101, and that is to say we're looking at how Black folks individually and collectively end up with worse outcomes in the bankruptcy process than do whites. And what we Blacks and our allies need to do to help us not only protect our communities, but also our overall economy. Now, before we took a break, we were looking at why some white lawyers treat some black bankruptcy clients so poorly. And sometimes the black uh, client doesn't even realize that they're being uh, treated poorly. So here's another headline that I gleaned from the ABI. Again, the American Bankruptcy Institute is an organization, a nonprofit, nonpartisan public policy organization that I belong to. Um, This past week, it had this to say about the process. The pandemic-induced recession has pushed more Americans to file for personal bankruptcy, particularly Black women. And this according to a report by a nonprofit bankruptcy startup called Upsolve. And this was reported in Yahoo Finance. The report is, came from and as a result of a bankruptcy questionnaire of 17,000 low-income users over the past year and found that the COVID-19 had pushed many to seek bankruptcy protection. And Upsolve is exactly right. Black people are overrepresented in bankruptcy, and also Black women are especially overrepresented in bankruptcy. And this was according to Professor Robert Lawless of the University of Illinois College of Law. Now, Upsolve, the nonprofit, which helps users file their paperwork and applications for a Chapter 7 liquidating bankruptcy, noted a particular sh- sharp increase and black users who cited the coronavirus as the reason that they were filing a Chapter 7. It makes sense for more people. Uh, it makes sense that more people are saying that the COVID-19 is the main reason for their filing, but the number has increased for black women at a higher rate than for white women. And this, according to the management of Upsolve. And these are jarring statistics 
So, you know, if more, again, if more and more blacks have worse outcomes and more and more black women are filing for bankruptcy, we as a society, especially we who are in the legal profession, have to make sure that these black women are put in the proper kind of bankruptcy. Now, this nonprofit was putting these low-income women who likely don't have any assets in Chapter 7s, which are the right kind of bankruptcy. Now, now, every case is different, but generally, again, if a debtor is harmed with credit card debt, uh, and not a debt on on a mar- mortgage or a car, it makes sense for a no asset case to be filed in a Chapter Seven because the debtor will quickly get her discharge of debt she can't afford to pay, and then she get a fresh start because she can exempt part of her assets that she needs for that fresh start and get on with it. However, the problem is when a low-income person with no assets but lots of debts are put into a Chapter 13, a reorganization type of bankruptcy that's good for families, again, who have fallen behind in their mortgage. Well, that shouldn't be a problem for the next several months because the government has a moratorium on foreclosures for the most part. And so uh, people who are filing for bankruptcy, families are generally good candidates for Chapter 7s. But you have to pay for the Chapter 7, lest it be discharged, the lawyer's debt be discharged in the 7 along with the Macy's card. And so that's why lawyers will put an individual who really should be in a Chapter 7 in a 13 because the fees can be paid through the 13. Let me say that again. If you're going to put somebody in the cheaper Chapter 7s that generally cost across the country between $1,200 and maybe $2,000 or $2,500, depending on the sophistication of the case, that money gets paid first and then to the lawyer. And then the lawyer puts the debtor into the Chapter 7. And a few months later, the debtor has a discharge. And if it's a no asset case, that's the end of it. But say it's a poor client and they don't have $1,200 or they don't have $2,000 or they don't have $25,000. Hmm, what might the lawyer do? Oh, I'll put this person in a 13 and then they can pay my fees over the course of the five-year, three- to five-year bankruptcy. Well, guess who gets paid first? The chapter, the, the bankruptcy lawyer. He gets paid first. He generally get paid after three or, three or four months. His fees will have been paid. And then the debtor is going to have a problem because there's going to be a problem in their finances and they're not going to be able to complete the Chapter 13. They're not going to get a discharge. So what has happened? A situation that was bad has gotten worse. What do I mean? The debtor had a problem. That's why she came to the lawyer for to file a bankruptcy. The bankruptcy was filed. The lawyer got paid. The debtor couldn't maintain the payments. The case got dismissed. The debtor still has all of her debt and no discharge. So 
the bankruptcy actually made the debtor's financial situation worse. Now, I got to tell you, as an African-American woman who is a bankruptcy lawyer, I see this kind of, and I'm going to use a highly technical term here, crap all the time amongst some people who are also in my profession and whom I do not consider my colleagues. Yeah, I said it. So what I'm getting at is we need to have more people who are lawyers do their oath to not harm their clients and to put the client's interests before those of their own. But everybody say, you know, lawyers are in the business to make money. Well, you know, there's a problem. I have no problem with making money. I'm in business to make money, but my job is to put my client in the right kind of case. And there's a big problem when the black women who unfortunately for reasons that I don't need to go into with them are heading households more than white women. And when they have jobs that have low paying jobs for the most part that expose them to the coronavirus and have been laid off and have children whose mouths they're responsible for feeding, go to a lawyer for help and end up in a worse situation and in some instances, are, have the lawyers file cases for them over and over again, and they never complete them, so they never get a discharge. Something needs to be done about that. And that's why I'm talking about this today. Now, those of you who listen to this show know that I'm a, a big old uh, daddy's girl. I, I, you know, I, I talk about my dad, how he helped me after I uh, fell out with my mom and, and, and went to live with him down south. And, you know, he really helped me become the strong woman that I am today. But the fact of the matter is my dad, like a lot of successful black men from down south, was a mama's boy. And the three of us were the best of friends. My dad looked out for me the way he wished my mother's father had been able to look out for her. But my mother's father was a slave. So that's why the three of us were like the three, <laughs> the three musketeers, but sometimes we acted like the three stooges. That's why the fate of all women, but especially black women, mean so much to me. My dad helped me grow up, but his mother was right there in the household, too, helping me, too. And I know, and my dad knew how hard it was for her to be successful. And she was. And he determined to make sure that I had a backbone and could stand up. And he wanted me to be of service to my community. And I got to tell you, being a lawyer is not fun all the time. You have to deal with people who think they know more than you and think they're better than you. But I really strive to get good outcomes for my clients no matter what their race or ethnicity or their gender. I have a a lot of male clients who think highly of me for my work too. But I got to tell you, there's a special place in my heart for African-American women who are trying to raise children on their own. And I get very dispirited initially, but get very angry when I see that a process, a a, 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 uh, this bankruptcy process that I'm a member of is not treating all members with respect. So in a 
that's why I, I come on this show and say, you young people out there, you need to look at the law as a profession, not just a way to make money, but as a way to be of service. Because I got to tell you, there is a dearth of black lawyers, especially in the bankruptcy field. And we need more of us to make sure that our community is treated fairly as more and more people will have to go through this bankruptcy process as we get ready to turn our economy around. So I'm going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing here on Selma's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law and make sure that the law treats all communities with respect, especially the, the good things about bankruptcy and what it can do to reclaim families and businesses in all communities, but especially the black community. So take care, mask up, keep your social distance, wash your hands. I'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 